My name is Claire Press, and this is Wardrobe Crisis, the podcast that unzips fashion's issues. Do you mind if I move the microphone? I just, I need to lounge. <laughs> Devotion, darling. Shut up. I think as humans, we are major forces to be also reckoned with. And I think creativity always flourishes when there is any type of crisis. That's been the absolute pleasure of, is watching talented people who have skills far and beyond mine come together and work collectively. Einstein always said, nature has all the answers. Just look to nature, it has all the answers. Just because I happened to be able to source them easiest, I guess, I was buying original wool jackets from the 1950s. I was buying them at Portobello Market. And a one man's rubbish is another man's gold. For me, it was about age. It was about the attitude of people. And it's about how they're wearing the clothes, why they're wearing the clothes, and capturing a bit of their wisdom and empowering people to look at aging differently. Join me every week as we talk ethics, sustainability and the business and madness of fashion. From who made your clothes to how they impact on the environment to the politics of personal style. We are so hot right now. The size of the global athletic footwear market was valued at 75 billion US dollars in 2015. And they reckon that that's going to go up to more than 115 billion by 2023. So how sustainable are your sneakers? And are you a sneaker freak? I mean, I think I've got too many pairs of sneakers. I counted them and I have six. I think it's reasonable, actually, because some people have a 100 pairs, right? And also people who are really obsessive about this stuff will only wear them when they're pristine and box fresh, which is, of course, completely and utterly crazy. Please don't throw them away after they're not white anymore. Anyway, this episode, we're going to learn about what could well be the most sustainable sneakers known to mankind. Certainly, they are leaders in this space and very, very inspiring. They are, of course, the French brand Veja. And two out of my six pairs of sneakers come from Veja. I just love them since I've discovered them because of their values and because of the way they're made. In the sustainable fashion space, we often talk about reducing the negative impacts of production on people and planet. But Sebastian Kopp and Francois Morillon, the co-founders of Veja, talk about having a positive impact on the environment and society. So not less harm, but active good. Is it possible? How do you choose eco-positive materials to make sneakers? And can you make money doing it? Veja sneakers cost five to seven times more than conventional brands to produce because the raw materials are environmentally friendly and purchased in accordance with fair trade principles and because the sneakers are produced in fair factories. So how do you balance the books and what are the other challenges of working this way? And what are the rewards? I went to the Veja head office in Paris to ask Sebastian Kopp these questions and more, and I learnt a heap. 
In this interview, Sebastian talks about agroecological organic cotton. So that's where the crop is not just grown without chemical fertilizers and pesticides, but also alongside subsistence crops like corn and beans, which feed producers. He explains the whole process. So Veja sneakers are made in Brazil from materials that are grown, produced and harvested there. They use wild rubber, and you're going to hear all about that, including the story of its unjust past. And do check the show notes for more on this, and also on the threats that the Amazon rubber tappers are dealing with today from logging companies. What else? Veja uses a material they call bee mesh, made from recycled plastic. The bottles are picked up from the streets of Rio and Sao Paulo. There are vegan sneaker options, but they also use vegetable tanned leather. And Sebastian talks about their approach to advertising, or should I say their non-approach. So 70% of the cost of sneakers from big brands goes towards advertising and marketing, they say, and they've totally rejected that model. And they say eliminating ads, marketing costs, doing away with brand ambassadors and billboards entirely means investing in reality rather than fiction. It means working back up the production chain and changing it. And it means spending more time on the ground rather than investing in smoke and mirrors. I mean, that is not something we hear from many fashion brands, is it? Sebastian and I also talk about what drives them and how they view failure and motivation and success. And it's all absolutely fascinating. I think you're going to love this one. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. Please do get in touch with me on social media and let me know. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mrs. Press. And also, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes if you're enjoying it. It really helps new listeners to find us. We are in the Veja headquarters in Paris, which is called The Bunker, because it's hidden after two courtyards. You can find it, so it's quite difficult to find. But we have been here for eight years now. So when we first entered this building, because it's a five-story building, we were, I think, 15, and uh, today we are 70 in the company. So yeah. it starts to be a bit uh, tight in the building, but we love the place. So I've never seen so many Veja sneakers because they're actually very hard to find. <laughs> yes, because we started uh, in France. In uh, 2005, we launched the brand in 2005, but uh, we launched the brand as an adventure. We were two friends and uh, with no investors, uh, nothing. So we start with uh, a little uh, money. And uh, Veja, during those 12 years, Veja grew up step by step, country per country. And now in Europe, we're starting to be established and in the US also, but uh, the rest of the world, not yet. But also the idea of not flooding the market with loads and loads of sneakers is part of what you do. It's good that we're not seeing them everywhere, right? Yeah, but it's also linked to the production chain because the heart of Veja is uh, to do sneakers differently. And how do you do sneakers differently? You, you take every step of the production chain and you try to change it. So we started with a canvas sneaker, very plain, very simple which was made with a uh, fair trade and organic cotton for the canvas and uh, wild rubber from Amazonia for the rubber and the sole. And we were maybe the five first years, we were very limited because uh, we were working with uh, small producers of organic cotton. It was uh, familiar agriculture, uh, meaning uh, 
there was only families working uh, with uh, small fields. At the beginning, it was only 30 uh, only farmers. 30. 30, yes, we started. And uh, they had uh, one acre to four acres of land. And they were uh, cultivating through agroecology, which is um, a new kind of uh, agriculture, an agriculture that respects the environment much more, meaning they are growing five to six species, meaning they are growing corn, and on the side they are growing organic cotton, and on the side they are growing organic uh, sesame seeds, and on the side organic beans. And so agroecology is giving a variety of culture, of different cultures, of different uh, crops, to enrich the soil. Because if you have a monoculture on the soil, it's always something uh, tough for the earth, something tough for the soil, and it's uh, impoverished the soil. And we're talking about northern Brazil. Yeah, we do everything in Brazil. But I want to rewind. Yes. Because... What is veja meaning anyway? What does the word mean in Portuguese? Veja is a Brazilian word meaning um, look behind the products, look how they are made. It was uh, not a call for action but uh, a call for conscience, meaning uh, when we started Veja we were 25 years old, coming from uh, an uh, economical background and uh, we were seeing that uh, globalization had gone wrong in terms of uh, industry, in terms of uh, environment, in terms of uh, social welfare, global social welfare. And uh, we said, when you are 23, 24 years old, you have two choices. You, you can uh, try to make a career, try to become a professional, try to enter the, the dance. race <laughs> or the dance. The dance, yeah. try to enter the dance uh, through marketing, through uh, internet, through uh, finance, through uh, a common work. Or you can say, what is the world I want to see uh, tomorrow? What are my uh, personal principles? And are those principles consistent to the life I want to have? And that was the first question we asked ourselves. Uh, Who asked that question, though? Let me ask you this. I mean, so this is your best friend you met at school, yeah. Francoise. Yeah. You we, went to university together. Francois, we, uh, we met when we were 14 years old and we became best friends. We became like brothers because we were always the, the two of us. And um, 10 years after we met, at 24 years old, we um, decided to set up a project, an NGO, in 2002, Before launching Veja, the goal was to ask big companies to say, hey, you were talking a lot about sustainable development uh, during your conferences, in your um, communication, you talk about it a lot or you start to talk about it a lot. We want to go on field to study your projects, to see uh, how you're doing uh, sustainable development in China, in India, in South Africa in Brazil, in Bolivia. So we went to um, 25 countries for big companies studying sustainable development on field. And uh, we were kind of disappointed by what we saw. Were you studying politics at university? What were you I doing? Was, I was studying um, political sciences and uh, economics. Um, so you're highly political. You're questioning the system. You're fed up with the way that it seems to work. You think I'll change it? We're not questioning the system. We think... Um, Capitalism seems to be the best vision for humanity, but maybe 
there's a, a part of, of this humanity that is uh, damaged and there is a part of the planet that is damaged. That was when we were 23, 24 years old, we were thinking this way. Maybe this system has won over communism and there is no question anymore about this system, but maybe the role of the states have declined, uh, the power of the economy has raised, and maybe the political power is now lower than the, the economical power, which has no vision except money and except um, investments, profitability, etc. So if we uh, want to change something, maybe it's cool to try on the economic level and to put some vision and some uh, long-term vision into uh, economics. So the first, um, the first step was saying if transnational companies, if international companies have more power than states, maybe we can study them. So we studied them and we asked them, you have projects about sustainable development. We speak uh, numerous languages. We understand economics. So we can go on field and improve your projects that are linked to, we called it a, a third party's project, meaning we can improve your project with uh, local population and NGOs and companies. And what are the metrics between the relationships between those three uh, parties? And uh, we were greatly disappointed by what we saw on field. So where did you go? We went to uh, China, we went to South Africa, we went to India, we went to Brazil, we went to uh, Argentina, Bolivia... We went to uh, Vietnam. Uh, and what did you see there, overwhelmingly? And we saw that uh, sustainable development was uh, treated as a, a side project, was not integrated into the business. It was uh, sometimes charity. So you do the common business. And then once you have a profit, you give back 1% mm. without changing nothing. We saw... Uh, loads of money invested in sustainable development projects that were not existing the year after. We saw a lot of inefficiency, etc. And we saw, the thing we saw, if there was one conclusion, is that the environment, the working conditions, the social welfare, the um, happiness of the workers were never integrated into the business. And we thought that the business of the future would be to care about the planet and the people. Okay, but why sneakers? I mean, you knew nothing about then, making shoes. Then you are 25 years old, uh, you don't have money, and you say, uh, okay, lots of companies uh, offered us jobs to work in their uh, sustainable development uh, department. We saw that those departments were not integrated in, into the business of those companies, that you were kind of a preacher breaking the balls of everybody, <laughs> but without the power of change. Yeah. And everybody says, yeah, yeah, you're you nice, but uh, I have my business to do. So all your ideas and all your, your utopias, uh, you can talk with me about it, but uh, I don't care. That's what we saw uh, in big companies. So... We decided, we say, if we want to do something, we have to do something on our own, even if it's small, it doesn't matter, because uh, today 
We don't want to uh, have a huge company. We don't want uh, to be taken by the, the vision of growth, 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 growth. We wanted to do something clean from day one, clean from scratch, because it was much easier, I think, to do something very consistent in every part of the company than going back and try to change uh, and uh, Maybe after 15 years of fighting, uh, you saw that you, you didn't change anything. So our choice, and it's not the, the, the only choice you can do, huh, but uh, our choice was to do uh, something like all the ideas we had, all the principles we had, we said, okay, we're going to put it in one company. So why and decide we, sneakers? Sneakers, because many reasons, because we loved it because it's with our generation that sneakers um, came from the sport field to the streets, with our generation that it uh, entered the offices day to day. You can wear sneakers when you are three years old, you can wear sneakers when you are 80 years old. It's a product we love. That was the first uh, reason. The second reason is uh, an economical reason, is because um, it's one of the products that concentrates the more advertising the more marketing ah. into its costs so if you eradicate advertising you can create a sneaker that is much more costly to produce and to sell it at the same price in the stores like the dna of veja was to do a sneaker that is made with a uh, organic and uh, fabrics that have a positive impact on the environment, well made into factory that respect the workers, and every step of the way is changed. So uh, one pair of Veja is five to seven times more costly to produce than a common sneaker, but by not doing advertising, we thought it would be possible to sell it to a price that would be competitive or equal to big brands. Were you ever scared that it wouldn't work and that without having an advertising plan then people wouldn't find out and they wouldn't spread the word? We are scared every day but as we are scared every day we're never scared. <laughs> so uh, no, it's something different also with our generation is we're not scared to fail. Failure is not uh, something uh, big for us. What I say to the team every day, everybody makes mistakes. Maybe I'm doing more mistakes than uh, the rest of the team. But there is uh, two things you have to do after making one mistake. Is the first thing is to admit it. And the second thing is to correct it. And once you live like this, I think it's uh, for us, uh, with Francois, we have always been like this. Like one of us make a mistake... The other one never say, oh, it's so bad, no, no. You make a mistake, and the second after, you're looking for solutions to correct this mistake. And that's always what we do, always how we behave. So failure is part of the company, failure is part of, the, of life. Okay, so is it about the desirability of the product or the story behind the product or both those things together that you think has made this such a success without you pouring money into having ads? It's not a, such a success. It's not a big success because... Um, uh, well, it's a cult success. I mean, I found out about it because it's something people talk about. Like, oh, you love sustainability, you've got to see these, but also they look cool. Yeah, but uh, the thing is, we always do what we believe in. So um, it's always a success. When you do that... We never do uh, market research, we never do uh, 
benchmarks. We never do uh, stuff like this. I always do the design I like. Whatever the market, whatever the fashion, we always uh, really relaxed about this. And uh, if you ask me the reason why Veja is a success, I think we put everything that we believe in Veja. We put everything that we love in Veja. So this involvement from our side, I think, made the company grow. And I think it's for every company like this, if uh, the founders and the team put 100% of themselves into the company, difficult to, uh, not to uh, progress. Let's talk about how you make them. So one of the countries that you visited when you were with Francoise was Brazil. Mm-hmm. And you make Veja in Brazil using natural rubber, using cotton that's been grown organically in Brazil, that's woven into canvas in Brazil. Yeah, everything is made in Brazil. It's quite interesting that you've managed to produce all of the shoe in the same place. Is that part of the key to why you wanted to do it? Yes, because we wanted to, um, not to control, but to uh, be actors of every step of the production chain. And I realized uh, years after we started that it was really the originality of Veja. That uh, products today, you don't do them like this. Uh, Not anymore. I mean, no. we make different parts all over the world, chasing the cheapest needle, and then yeah. freight them. But what was interesting for us is to understand the whole way of the economic chain, the whole economic chain of a sneaker, starting from the raw materials, but not starting from the fabrics, starting from the raw materials of the fabrics. So this changes the design, of course, because uh, when you meet rubber tappers in Amazonia, we've been working with them for 12 years. When you know that 40% to 60% of every sole is made with this rubber, I think it gives you more love to put into the product, more care, more attention, more time. Sometimes we spend one year to design one shoe. Sometimes it takes one week, sometimes it takes one year, but it doesn't matter. And we're not into uh, making new models, new models, new models. A good design is a design that lasts. A good design is not a design that is cool six months. A good design is a design that can last a lifetime for me. We don't do sneakers that we are bored after three months, uh, two years, etc. We try to design shoes that last. And um, for us, it seems simple, but like now we are talking with big designers, very well-known designers, that is attracted by the, the way we, uh, we set up the project, etc. And uh, when we talk about design with them, they're always kind of impressed because... One told me last week, we all looking after complexity, uh-huh. you do the opposite, you're looking after simplicity. And that's kind of true about the design yeah. of Veja. You mentioned rubber. Now, I don't think that everybody understands the difference between natural rubber and synthetic rubber. Can you explain? Uh, so, every soul of Veja, we buy it into the forest, into the Amazonian forest two rubber tappers, we buy it directly, we go on field, and we have one person working in Amazonia, in the forest. So synthetic rubber is made from oil? So wild rubber, rubber, wild is... rubber comes from the trees, heavy as trees. So you scratch a tree, 
and the blood of the tree uh, flows. A sap. Yes, and this is latex. This is wild latex. We developed uh, a process with uh, the University of Brasilia for the rubber tappers to turn this latex, which is a milk, it looks like milk, a bit uh, more density than milk, but like very look-alike. So they transformed this milk into sheets of rubber that we sent directly to the factory, the shoe factory in southern Brazil. So everything is made in the forest. The, a lot of value stays in the forest. And taking the latex from the trees impeach deforestation because it's like we created an economic system that they can, the rubber tapers, they can make money out of the forest without damaging it. Because obviously in Brazil there has been a lot of land clearing of forests, for instance, yes. to raise cattle. So what you're saying is that by keeping trees on the land... It's not keeping trees on the land, it's the hevias uh, grow in the forest. You need forest to, to have hevias. And the money they earn taking this milk from the trees, it's more than the money they can get by cutting them down and put cattle on the deforested uh, lands. So there is a bit of cynicism in Veja, economic cynicism, but uh, rubber tapper, they are very poor people that come to Amazonia because it's kind of a free land. It's kind of a, a land that with, where there is no police, there is no private property, etc. The forest is so big that you, if you are very poor, you go uh, in the forest, you cut down some trees, you make a house, and you can live because there are fruits, the forest is very rich, so you can live without a problem, and you can live with your family, etc. So, what we try to do is to offer an alternative to these guys instead of cutting down the trees, selling the wood, putting cattle, we said no, you can protect the forest, you can take the milk out of the trees which doesn't damage the tree and you can make more money doing this than cutting down the tree. So there's a bit of um, economics like this and sometimes the, the meeting we have in the forest, they say, if you don't offer more, we're going to cut the trees. Nobody is an angel and nobody is, uh, is somebody uh, saying, I'm going to save the forest. But if the companies or if the states throughout the world would understand this, that poor people need to live. And if I was a guy going to the forest because I have no money, etc., I would cut down the trees to protect my family, to make a living for my family. So what we try to do is to reverse this uh, economic process and this incentive and working closely with them. And really, it's something uh, kind of crazy because at the beginning, they were not understanding very well. They were saying, okay, we're going to sell you the, the rubber, but you're crazy, it's way too expensive, you buy the rubber too expensive for, compared to the market price. And for three or four years, now that it's uh, like 300 families working with us, they say, we feel that climate change is coming. Um. We feel the forest is burning. Uh, we feel the forest is much more drier than before and, and fires are starting. We feel that rivers 
that the grandfather of our grandfather never so dried start to dry we feel that we have an impact on the forest and more and more people from the forest say okay we understand now that it's important to protect the forest and we're going to help wow but let's say the first 10 years of veja we're not listening to the those kind of things but also the history of rubber tapping and rubber barons is fraught with horrors i mean colonial history about how if you look at the first rubber baron wave in what 1880s to 19 before first world war this was a mess i mean this was colonial brutal yeah it's horrendous like it was slavery history. slavery but like not not in only in the 19th century huh? when uh, to win the second world war they sent a lot of people in the forest to uh, produce the rubber for for the US and uh, it was kind of a modern slavery and uh, it ended in the 90s this slavery uh, we worked in the 90s we work in a uh, uh, reserva Chico Mendes and Chico Mendes was a union trade leader who was killed in 87 by uh, rich uh, land uh, owners. Well, well, I had no uh, idea it was so recently. Yeah, it was at the end of the 80s at the beginning of the 90s that the rubber tapers became independent. Before, it was like a kind of a modern slavery. So there is an environmental side of the Amazon forest that everybody talks about, but the social side is as interesting and as uh, crazy as the environmental impact of the forest. So given that that history is so recent, did you have some adverse reactions as two French guys going into these territories saying we have a solution to some of this? Did people no, think No, no, we don't say we have a solution. Okay. We say we are um, clients, we are special clients, but we are clients. And uh, that's it. We don't say we are we have a solution. We don't know our impact on the forest is still small yeah. um but what we want to set up is an example even if it's small it can be followed tomorrow we don't dream to have one big company one big veja uh-huh. we we dream to have uh, 1000 veja or 1000 companies like veja doing the same thing and we see the future more like this and uh to set up examples is important because uh If you can prove uh, it's successful, because, people will say, why not? Because if there is no example, um, people say it's impossible. So if two uh, French guys of 25 years old were speaking Portuguese, were barely speaking <laughs> Portuguese at the beginning, uh, did it, uh, really anybody can do it. So any company uh, with means and with power, etc., it's only a question of will and a question of time. Well, uh, I love it. Is it happening? Are people looking and saying, actually... Oh, yeah, yeah. More and more. In 2015, we won the prize, the Chico Mendes, which is uh, the Amazonian Award, which is uh, kind of important in Brazil. And uh, more and more companies are getting in touch with us to say, hey, guys, what you do is cool. We want to do the same thing starting now. So 10 years is a long time but uh, I think for the forest it's not that long and um, I think we're starting a second chapter in Veja now because uh, the brand is more well known people are knowing more and more what we do even if it's not a big brand etc we don't care but uh, on fields there are a lot of scientists a lot of reporters a lot of people interested in the in the forest that are saying uh, okay we look for one example and there is not a lot so 
really everything has to be made now to save the forest and what we want to do is to create a system that works. Let's talk about some of the other things that you do as a company to reduce your environmental footprint. So uh-huh. in particular about production, when I said I haven't seen so many of these sneakers before because they're not everywhere, but it's also because you're not holding a lot of stock and you're delivering... I mean, tell us about how you basically ship. So you yeah, send by produce, boat. We produce only uh, on our client orders. Today we are we started from nothing, and today we are distributed in maybe 1,500 stores around the world, more in Europe and the US, and a bit in Asia. Asia is starting in Japan and South Korea, but um, we produce only on orders. We don't do uh, any stocks. What we try to do is to analyze every step. That's really, it sounds simple, and it is simple. But, but it also sounds revolutionary because the fashion system is based on produce a load of stuff, try and sell it, if not discount it, maybe factor in the discounts into your sales plan, hold giant amounts of stock, maybe destroy it if you can't sell it. You know, this is kind of the way that the big fashion system works. You're yeah, doing it completely differently. Because uh, there is in the fashion system and in the economic system globally, there is a, a problem between the concept of price and the concept of value. When I say value, it's value of the product. And no, we don't do a lot of discounts. We don't work like this. Because you set up at the beginning to do it differently. That's yeah. the whole thing about not going back, trying to shift it, right? And also our products are much more expensive to make than uh, the competition and they have a real value inside, economic value, but uh, also it's a product we hate to discount. So it's true that the demand of Veja is much more than the offer, but it's okay with us. What we want is to grow calmly, uh, like a tree with deep roots, more than a, a tree that is growing very uh, fast. And today we have uh, 70 people in the company, and we're okay. We have a, a crazy team. We have a, that's something that I'm very proud of to see the people evolve. We have a very uh, low, low uh, turnover, and people um, grow personally and professionally with us. And that's one of the biggest satisfaction we can have. And so, yes, Veja is growing, uh, but uh, we're not uh, in moderation. We're not running after growth. We want to, uh, to make the company uh, profitable because as we don't have any investors, we know that the bankers hate a um, non-profitable company and also to be profitable is, uh, for us is to be independent and free. So there are a lot of investors that came to us, big brands, uh, big uh, business angels, etc. And we always turn them down because... Uh, we want to be free. We set up Veja to be free also and to take decisions that uh, a board or an investor would not accept. Another company that does that is Patagonia and they always talk about the fact that they can make these decisions about how they want to grow, how they want to donate towards grassroots environmental organisations, for example, because they don't have a board to answer to. No one's going to say to them, it's all about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Patagonia also refuse to use the phrase sustainable when they talk about what they do because they say it's not true because we can't be fully sustainable. So we, we prefer to say responsible. 
let's talk about language. I always use the phrase ethical fashion and think, what does that mean? And the sustainable fashion, you know, it's quite hard to pin it down. Is it slow fashion? How do you look at the words around what you guys do? No, it's true that we don't uh, use uh, sustainable and we don't use um, responsible and uh, we don't use ethical also. The word we use a lot is transparency, meaning that uh, we do fair trade, we use organic raw materials, we use organic fabrics, we use uh, recycled fabrics, we use uh, upcycled fabrics, we use um, fabrics that have low impact on the environment, we work with a, a warehouse that uh, works with uh, workers that are in re-inclusion, that had problems in their uh, personal life or professional lives. But the word that um, qualify all those things would be transparency, because we think that uh, the economic system and our society in general lacks of transparency. Mm. And what we want to say is, hey guys, we can show everything of the economic chain, we can show everything of what we do, every step of the way, we are very proud of them. So this transparency now is starting to be used a lot and sometimes uh, overused, but that is still the word that defines Veja the best. Because we do a lot of different things that are not so common, but um, really the thing is, stays in our name is look we can show you everything. Look, you're back to the yes. meaning of Veja. Yes. You just mentioned an organization that works with what? Yeah, homeless people, people that, work, had, so that had problems in life. Uh, they have uh, as so many problems as there are people working, and we started working with them since, since the beginning. Atelier Sans Frontières. Atelier Sans Frontières, yeah. And so that's through distribution, right? How, what do they do for you? Right. And dispatch, logistics. They do the whole Veja logistics. Cool. So uh, it's the, our main warehouse where all the sneakers are, are stocked and they prepare all the orders for the clients. They manage 100% of our websites, of all the sneakers we sell online. They prepare the sneakers. When you uh, give back your order, they take back this order and prepare it again, etc. It's really interesting because it's like you leave no stone unturned. Like everywhere where you could do something differently... You do it. So yes. it could be logistics. It could be, we mentioned before, but I didn't get you to explain now. I'd love for you to, about how you ship things. Because, you know, the world is fast. The world is people fly stuff in as quickly as they can. You go by boat. And then when it gets to La Havre, you send it up a canal. Yes. But crazy. No, it's not that crazy because it's like every step is quite simple to change. So today you look at Veja, you say, okay, oh, you changed a lot of steps. But we did it one after the other. And like in 2007 or eight, we realized that uh, we were um, our supplier of electricity at the office was EDF. Nuclear. Which is, yes, the French company, uh, the French national company, and using uh, 80% of nuclear electricity. And we found a supplier that provides green electricity uh, which is called Enercop, which is for me one of the best uh, environmental project uh, company in uh, in France, and we changed. And at the time, it was 30% more expensive than EDF. Today, or maybe uh, next year, it's going to be cheaper. Packaging so too. We don't do everything. Like 
are laces. They're not organic cotton because we don't have the volume yet. But everything we can do, we do. Even if it's more expensive, we don't care. We use very expensive fabrics that are not used by the rest of the industry because too expensive, we don't care. Because if it has a, um, a good positive im impact on the environment, if uh, the way it has been done is clean, we don't have problems. I'm always fascinated by how people achieve what they achieve. What do you think it is that's allowed you to be this focused and get to where you've got? Is it to do with how you work with Francoise? Is it to do with your values that are deep-rooted in your psyche? What is it? <laughs> no, it's really, it's really instead of uh, judging everybody, instead of uh, criticizing everybody, instead of complaining, etc., and the French are very good to that, we said you become crazy in criticizing the rest of the world uh, the whole day. You, you become crazy to say, oh, Trump is uh, not a good president, or uh, big companies, big oil companies, they pollute the whole world, This is what I do all day. You become, <laughs> you become depressed uh, yeah. at and a certain point. And also you can't point. act. You so get inert, don't you? Instead, you? instead of saying no, we wanted to say yes. We wanted to say, let's do it. We wanted to say... Uh, at our own level, with uh, humility, let's do it. And if a lot of people think like that and act like that, I think change uh, can uh, happen tomorrow. And also the, the thing is, uh, you spend your day saying, yeah, you have to change, you have to change, you have to change your, uh, the way you behave, you have to change the way you uh, spend your money, you have to change the way you vote. We don't do that. We propose and people choose. We don't say be an ecologist, be a, an environmentalist. We say be the girl or the guy you want to be. And that's cool and that's okay. But us, let us be the guys we want to be. And that's Veja. It's brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's getting hard. My parents feel that I'm defending Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. To learn more about our guests and the issues that we've spoken about today, hop on over to my website, which is clairepress.com forward slash podcast. You can get in touch there and I really hope you will. I'd love to hear from you. And you can also find links to my social media. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please head over to iTunes and subscribe. You know what they say, first in best dressed. Subscribers are first to find out when there's a new episode and it also helps other people discover wardrobe crisis. So I'd love your help with that because the more people who switch on to ethical fashion, the better. Music is by Montaigne. She recorded this special acoustic version of Because I Love You, which is from her Glorious Heights album, especially for Wardrobe Crisis. How good is that? Thank you, Montaigne. Because I love you, my parents feel that this is a waste of time. I tell you where, okay, I won't admit that I am blind. My friends all feel that I'm carrying a steel. I tell them all that they are wrong. Because I love you, because I love you. Because I love you Because I love you